Good morning, church family. Happy Easter. He is risen. Yeah. Are you ready to celebrate that together? Everybody's awake? Even if you had pancakes, it might settle in. It might cause something to go downhill, but I want you to keep it up here where we're celebrating, okay? Um, Hey, as we get started, uh, what comes to your mind when I bring up the idea of a before and after picture? Think of what you think of. Think of an example of a before and after, or of seeing before and after photos, right? Is something coming to mind? Are you having some ideas, perhaps? Uh, Is it just me, or is is there something satisfying about before and after photos? I mean, what are some of the examples? Some of the examples are, we often see this with um, like home remodels, right? So we got maybe, you know, the house before and with the new paint job or the, the kitchen before the original decor from when the house was bought to updated, right? Um, think of these before and after photos. What are some of the other common ones? A lot of them uh, have to do with our, a body transformation, you know, whether it's weight loss or, uh, you know, someone that's going to CrossFit and getting more ripped and you got a before and after picture, um, what else do we see? I mean, when I had braces for the second time in my life, I had to have them a second time in my 30s, so I had a before and after picture of my teeth, right? Before and after braces. Um, what else do you think of? Haircuts, yeah, yeah. Somebody uh, earlier shouted at me my beard photo. So if, <laughs> if you were with us last Sunday, if you weren't, go back and watch the video, you'll see. But uh, anyway, there was a before and after there as well. Uh, with my beard and current lack thereof. Uh, one, one of the ones that always intrigues me is, you've, have you seen the photos of the presidents of the United States before they serve and after they serve in that, in that weighty role? Yeah, before and after. Some of you love gardening and landscaping, so perhaps you've got uh, before and after photos of your yard, uh, of the flowers, and, and of the transformation that, that that does. So anyway, have that in mind. Uh, I think there's something satisfying. What do you think it is that we like about before and after photos? What, is it, what do you think it brings up in us? What do you think is, is interesting about it to us? I mean, interesting about it for us. Yeah, there's, there's newness, right? There's change. I, I heard hope. You know, it's, it does seem like that's, I think, one of the reasons that these photos are, are, are fun for us is we like to see positive change. We want to know what's coming. And, uh, and that, and that uh, is fun to watch. So I wanted to just get us in that mindset, and you'll see why as we go this morning. I wanted to get us in that mindset of thinking about before and after and, and what comes in the middle and what leads to what. Um, but really, those ideas, my examples I've already given, those ideas of before and after photos are, are pretty silly when it compares to what we get to contemplate today. Those before and after photos pale in comparison when you think about what we're contrasting this morning from Friday, what we recognized on Good Friday, and it's good because God set his son to die for us. That is what's so good about Good Friday. But when we think about these, this contrast, when we think about this comparison, what, what we remember on Friday, Jesus' death on the cross for you and I. And then we think of Easter morning and the empty tomb. And Christ is risen. You were almost ready. You were almost ready. I almost thought you were excited about Easter with me. So, we'll see, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, pale in comparison to that first Easter weekend, the cross 
and the empty tomb. Christ is risen. Jesus is alive, church family. And uh, I, I spoke to my, my grandma called me yesterday. She lives in South Dakota. Uh, she's 97. She wished me a, a blessed Easter. And I'm pretty sure that today would be her 98th Easter on earth. So I just want to say, and she was excited about it. So whether this is your first Easter celebrating Easter or it's your 98th or whatever in between, uh, this, is, this is not just something we've heard before. This is, this is the, the best, the best news, okay? The gospel, around, the gospel is what we uh, talk about all the time around here. The gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners like you and I through the life, death, and resurrection. That because of what Jesus is life, death, and resurrection, you and I can have life too. So we come to Easter ready to talk about Jesus being alive, but the glory, part of the amazing good news of Jesus' resurrection is that it shows that we too can have life because of God. So the Bible tells us this spectacular news of God's rescue plan, that he set, apart, that he set up uh, this rescue plan into motion to, to rescue us from sin and death by sending his son. That, that Jesus' life was, was the life that we cannot live, a perfect life, a life without sin. He lived the life that we cannot. He died the death that we deserve in our place, paying the penalty for our sin. And of course, that is what we remember about Good Friday. And it is good and it is critical. And Jesus said it was finished because on the cross, he made us right with God. And then he was dead and buried. And then there was a whole Saturday of silence where his disciples would have wondered what was happening with Jesus dead and buried and in the grave. And then we get to Easter morning. Christ is risen, church family. He is risen indeed. Jesus is alive. And that his life, his coming to life means that he conquered evil and conquered sin and conquered death and made it possible for you and I to have life too. Life now. Life on this earth with, with meaning and richness and, 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 and abundance and with him and, and journeying with him. Not perfect life. Not that everything goes perfectly. But he's with us in it. New life now. And yes, new life forever as well, new life in the presence of God because of Christ. So that's what we celebrate at Easter. Jesus is alive. Uh, by the way, I ran up here, got excited, started talking about before and after photos. My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we are really glad that you're with us this morning. It is great to see so many of you, uh, my awesome church family, here with us in person uh, on campus here at Faith Church, and we have many of you continuing to join us from home and Faith Online, so welcome. We are glad that each and every one of you made, uh, made this part of your Easter celebration. We love having you with us, and, um, and we believe that God is with us and, and that God has uh, words for us this morning from his word. So uh, we want to get into the Bible here for a few minutes, and this morning's passage is in Ephesians 2, and if you've been here, you know that we've been studying in Ephesians, and we've even actually already studied these verses in Ephesians 2, but I am unashamedly going back to them, because we've done a great job teaching them, some of the other pastors, you've studied Ephesians 2 uh, in recent weeks, but there is so much here in the first verses of Ephesians 2 that I can't help but take a quick look at it uh, again today. So as we get started, we're going to be in Ephesians 2, and I'm going to start in verse 1 in just a moment, and you can follow along in your Bible, or the verses will be on the screen as well. But as we start here, there's going to be some verses that might take us back a little bit. They, they might be somewhat startling. And what I like about this is that to really appreciate the good news of the gospel, 
to really realize what amazing, spectacular good news it is that Jesus lived and died and rose again, we first got to reckon a little bit with some of the bad news. We've got we've to deal a little bit and, and understand uh, the bad news, which makes celebrating the good news that much better. So Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, meaning children deserving of wrath, children deserving of God's condemnation because of our sin. What is sin? Sin is is our rebellion against God. It's when we go our own way. It's when we do our own thing. It's when we do what comes natural. The passage says it's when we satisfy the cravings of our flesh and we just do what feels good and we do what we want. And if we're honest this morning, we know that if we're left to our own means, we'd go against the ways of God. Sin is our rebellion against God. And, and because of that, the passage says that we were dead in, that, in those trespasses and sins. So maybe you know that this morning. Maybe you're, you're all too well aware of it, like me. All too well aware of where I fall short, where I go against God, where, I am, am, where he convicts me and teaches me that I'm still learning and growing. But perhaps others of us, sometimes, you know, honestly, sometimes others of us, when we have this kind of conversation or when we, when we, see, when we talk about sin, um, Maybe there's a little bit of a tendency for some of us to say, well, not me, really. I mean, I, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm okay. Or, or if I ask friends and family around me, you know, they'd say, yeah, he's a pretty good guy or a pretty good gal. You know, they're nice most of the time. They do, they do a good job. So sometimes I think we, we got we to gotta check ourselves there because perhaps on the outside, perhaps externally, Perhaps you are pretty, pretty good. And perhaps some people wouldn't know the desires of your heart and mind. But that's where I think we need to go. What about here? What about the heart? What's in, what's, what are your thoughts? And are those pleasing to God? Do those go um, against God and his ways? I think when we, when we wonder about our spiritual status... When we come to this topic of uh, God and knowing him and how do, I be, uh, how do I know God, I think we can give ourselves too much credit. I think we think partial credit is possible on our own efforts. If I try hard, I know God's going to give me some points. I think we think that we're, I think we're hoping for partial credit. But if we're going to use the language of this Bible passage... Because of our sins and trespasses, you were what? Dead. There isn't really an in-between. You're dead or you're alive. You're not pretty good. Right? The Bible is clear. Apart from Christ, we were dead people. Apart from Christ, we were dead people. Not, Not partial credit. Not okay enough. And that's tough to hear, right? It's a sobering reminder. And if we look inward and we wrestle with what we know to be true about ourselves apart from Christ, then we've reckoned a little bit with the bad news. That stuck in our sins and trespasses, you're a dead person. 
So with that, as a, with that really joyous news as a backdrop, I want you to think about something for a minute, and this is going to help us. This is going to be important for a little bit later. With that as a backdrop, um, I want you to think for a minute, what does God think about you? Answer that question. In, in your, you don't have to say it out loud. Just answer in your mind. When you're honest about your behavior and rebellion and your sin and, your, and the way when we go our own ways, how do you think God looks at you? How do you, don't, you know, I know we might know the correct, the church answer, the correct answer, that God loves me. Yes, he does. But, but just go ahead and in, 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 the, in, the, in the tough reaction, internal reaction that you have, if you know God sees and he see, knows your thoughts and knows the desires of your heart, how do you think you would describe him? How do you think you would describe him reacting to your behavior? What is his posture towards you? What do you, what do you feel like he thinks of you? I'm going to get back to that in a few minutes. I'm going to get back to that in a few minutes. But let's get back in the passage. So here we are on Easter morning. Friday, we remembered Good Friday. Jesus is on the cross, his death and burial. And, and like Jesus' human body, we are dead. Like Jesus' human body was Friday, Saturday, you and I are spiritually dead. We have no hope for eternal life. We have no hope for a relationship with God. We're spiritually dead. But let's continue in our passage because there is good news. Ephesians 2, verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive. Christ is risen. Even, did you see that, verse 5? Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive. Death to life, darkness to light, sin stuck in sin and rebellion to forgiven and set free. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. What does it mean to be saved? It means that we're put back in relationship with God. God, who loves us and created us and wants to be in relationship with us, but our relationship with him was broken and, and, our, and our, our own lives were marred by the entrance of sin into the world and into our lives, and that relationship was broken, but we are saved. We are made right with God. We are put back in relationship with him. We are adopted into God's family. By grace, you have been saved. Dead people made alive. Dead people made alive. And this is Resurrection Sunday. And so let me just say it one more time. We, we come to church on Easter and we kind of know that we're going to hear the story of Jesus is alive, that Jesus is risen. And then the, an amazing implication of that is that it shows that you and I can be alive too. That we don't have to be stuck in these sins and trespasses that make us a dead person. That because Jesus is alive, we too can have new life. So what is Jesus all about? What's our impression of, of what, who Jesus is and what he's all about? What's our impression of coming to church? What, what do we come to church for? 
And I want us to think about it for a second. You know, there's, there's different things we might think we're getting out of church or we might think there's different reasons why we might be interested in Jesus or why should I be interested in Jesus? Why would I come to Jesus? Listen to this quote from an author and a pastor named Dane Ortland. Christ was not sent, not, he's going to list several things here of he thinks there are reasons that Christ was not sent. Okay, follow? Christ was not sent to mend wounded people or to wake sleepy people or advise confused people or inspire bored people or spur on lazy people or educate ignorant people but to raise dead people. How does that sit? Do you hear that? Because you know what I think about that list? Here's what struck me about that list. Where could I go if I needed, if I, uh, I'm wounded and needing mending, if I'm sleepy and need awake, if I'm confused and need advice, if I'm bored, I needed inspiration, if I'm lazy, I need spurring on, if I'm ignorant, I need education. I could go, there's a lot of places you could go and get those things done. But only God raises dead people. Only God raises dead people through Christ. And that is the spectacular news of the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And what it means to you and I today. Not just his death and resurrection 2,000 years ago, but why it means something today. Is because only God raises dead people. Only God can take you out of the darkness and into the light. Only God can take you from death to life. Only God can take you from stuck in sin and death to forgiven. Only God can take you from living according to your own ways to living out the ways of Jesus. How's that for some before and afters? Eternal death and condemnation, eternal life before and after. And getting into the Christian club is joyous good news. Accepting Christ, following him, giving your life to him, realizing you can't do it on your own is amazing good news. And there's more. Doing our own thing, living for ourselves, living in selfishness, not prioritizing self, going against God. Transformation into the likeness of Christ. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. How's that for before and after? That's what God wants to do in our lives. Before we were dead in sin, after, in Christ, we have been made alive. How are we doing? <laughs> that is the amazing good news of Easter. And you know what, though? I actually, I actually have something I want you to catch even more this morning. That's the gospel. You've already heard the good news of Jesus. But there's something I want you to catch this morning, something that's really important to me as God's been working in my life, as I have been in desperate need of him in recent months and come to him, something I want to pass along, and that's this. You've heard the before and after. You've heard that you were dead in sin and that God will forgive you. You've heard that you uh, are, are spiritually dead and that Jesus can make you alive. I want you to know why. I want you to know, why would God rescue you? Why did God send his son into the world to live and die and be raised again? Why would God care? Because think about it. If God acted like you and I do, I would have left you in your mess. What a disaster they are. That Derek guy goes against me in his thoughts and heart and mind and behavior. Why does God rescue 
You've heard the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that it makes you come from death to life. Why? Why would God rescue us? Why would he not just leave us in our mess? Why would he not back away from us and think, man, there's, I'm not getting anything out of this? Now I want to go back to what I asked you to think about a few minutes ago. When I ask you, how does God approach you? How does he respond to you? What does he think of you? When he knows your thoughts and your desires, how do you picture God? Bring that back to mind, what you, what you were honest about. Because if we're honest, before, left to our own self and left to our own understanding, if we're honest, wouldn't our before, wouldn't our before understanding of God be that, that our deadness is revolting to him? Yeah. Wouldn't, if we're honest, do we sometimes think that God loves me, but he probably doesn't like me? Do we think of our sin and our rebellion against him, and does that cause us to go, yeah, you know, I think God wants to save me, and I think he sent Jesus to live, die, and be raised again so that I can have new life, but I still think that because of how messed up I am, I think God holds me out like this, like a stinky diaper. That our sin and our rebellion causes him to back away. Go. Is that how we sometimes think of God? I got something different for you. God's word has something different for you this morning. The good news of what Jesus has done, his life, death, and resurrection, bringing you from death to life, is spectacular news. And it's available to you when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When you realize you can't do it on your own and you call on him for help. But I want you to know the why the why he would rescue you. Let's get back to the passage in Ephesians. I skipped verse four. We read verses one and a little bit of three, and then I went to five. And look what we see in verse four. We, remember what, where we were in this passage, we were dead people. Why would God want to rescue us? Verse four, but God being rich in mercy. Everybody say rich in mercy. If you don't remember anything else from this morning, if you wake up tomorrow and you remember one thing, I want you to remember that the God of the universe loves you and he is those three words, everybody say, rich in mercy. mercy. He is rich in mercy. That sounds a lot different than the posture I was describing up here, right? Rich in mercy. Look at how that continues. Because of the great love with which he loved us. And then later, if we read more in verse five, we'd see, by grace you have been saved, so that in the coming ages, God might show you the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward you in Christ Jesus. That is who I want you to hear from this morning, the God who is rich in mercy, whose posture toward you is grace, who, who sees the true you and still comes toward you in kindness. Before, before we thought our sin and rebellion was revolting to him, that he maybe just tolerated us, the after of the gospel, the after of God's rescue plan is that we see 
that God's default, his posture, his heart, his action is in, is in love and mercy. The same author I quoted earlier also wrote this, that God is a billionaire in the currency of mercy. That God's, lo- that God's heart is filled with love and that it overflows in mercy. And you know one of the ways that we see his God, his, this heart of God overflowing in mercy? God's heart is so filled with love and overflowing with mercy that his overflowing mercy took the form, took the shape of a man, our Savior Jesus Christ. Mercy himself to our spiritual deadness. God's mercy. God's love flowing in mercy. Before we were stuck in sin and deserving of death, after we are forgiven and experiencing life now and eternal. Apart from Christ, darkness. In Christ, light. Apart from Christ, spiritual death. In Christ, life now and life forever. Another quote from that same guy. I love this one. He, defining rich mercy. Everybody say, God is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Here's another way of thinking of rich in mercy. Rich in mercy means that the things you know about yourself that make you cringe the most, the things you know about you deep down, the things you do or think or, or go against God, the, he writes this, the things, you, uh, things about you that make you cringe the most make God hug you the hardest. The things that make you cringe the most Make God hug you the hardest. Church family, friends, guests, those of you here in this room, those of you on Faith Online, don't miss this part. It applies to your sin, that your sin doesn't repel him, doesn't repel God, doesn't make him stay away from you. It makes him come near. And it applies also to your suffering. Because I know that it's true about your sin, but I want you to know that that's true about your suffering as well. This life is difficult. This earthly journey on this side of eternity, before we get to meet Jesus face to face, the earthly journey is filled with hardship and difficulty and pain and suffering. And you know what First Peter 2 encourages us to do? To endure suffering because Jesus suffered for us. Because Jesus suffered for us, we're called to suffer but we have him with us in it. But this applies, that, that, that hug you the hardest thing I said, applies to your suffering as well. Your suffering, what you're going through, the difficulties of the world, suffering at, at, at what others have done, um, the brokenness of the world because of the entrance into, of sin into the world, the way that things, that things are not the way God intended them. And so if you're enduring difficult times right now, know that the things that make you cringe about yourself and the things that you are suffering through, they don't cause God to back away. They're the things that make God hug you the hardest. Chapter uh, 2, verse 8, Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. You have been saved by God's grace 
by him sending the rescuer Jesus to live, die, and be raised again. You have been saved if you put your faith in Jesus, if you realize you can't do it on your own and you call on him and say, Lord, help me, Lord, save me, lead my life. That is what brings about salvation. You have been saved by God's grace. It is a, look at that scripture on the screen. This is not your own doing. This isn't your own efforts. This isn't trying hard. This isn't matching up. This isn't thinking I've got to behave or do certain things to make God happy with me. This is a gift of God's grace. His rescue of you, taking you out of, uh, of darkness and into the light from death to life is, is a gift of God. The gospel is the good news that God doesn't leave sinners like me and you stuck in our sin and trespasses and spiritual deadness. The good news of the gospel is that God rescues us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So how do we respond to a free gift? You receive it. How do you respond to a free gift that God offers you, each of you, this morning? You receive it. You, 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 you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Instead of trusting yourself, instead of thinking you can do it all, you're not going to earn it, friends. You're not going to match up. There's nothing you can do enough. You're not even going to get partial credit. Partial credit, not even partial credit. Why would you, um, well, yeah, because why are we not going to get partial credit? We, we sometimes think, I'm pretty good. I'm trying pretty hard. I'm a pretty good person. Your salvation is not about what you do. It's not about what I do. It's not what my efforts. It's not how I try. Your salvation is all about what Jesus has already done. You get full credit, not because of you, you get full credit because Jesus was perfect, he died, and he was raised again. And full credit is applied to you by God's grace and his mercy. So we urge you to put your faith in Jesus. Faith Church exists to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. If you, are apart, if you are apart from Jesus, if you've never known about Jesus, if you've never considered living for him, we urge you, encourage you, couldn't speak more highly, couldn't be more excited, couldn't talk on and on more than wanting you to know that Jesus loves you and he's God's rescue plan and he's the way out of death and into life. Put your faith in him today. And those of you that are walking with Jesus, that are following him, Keep following him. You put your faith in him today too. You too know that he is rich in mercy. That you don't repel him. That in your sin, he wants to hug you harder. In your suffering, he's there for you and wants to hug you the hardest. Turn to him. Why would we encourage you to become a follower of Jesus? Because friends, there's so much more that God has for you. The reason I do what I do, the reason our church exists is to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. It's because we believe there's more than just one hour a week in, in church. It's because we think there's so much more than checklist religion of thinking I've got to do this and do this and do this and maybe God will like me. It's because we think there's so much more than saying we're Christian but living however we want the rest of the week. It's just we, we believe it. We love Jesus. We want you to find life in Jesus. That's why Faith Church exists. Because God loves you and because knowing Jesus changes everything. 
and we want him to change you. We want him to change you if you've never walked with him before and if you've been walking for him and this is your 98th Easter, we want you to keep submitting and obeying Jesus because we want Jesus to change you too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is so loving and so awesome. We thank you that you are a father in heaven who does not stay far apart from us, not holding us at, at arm's length. We, we love you and thank you, Father in heaven, for being a God who has come near to us through Jesus. So this morning, on Easter morning, Father, it is with joy that we lift our eyes to heaven and we rejoice and we thank you for sending your son. We, we rejoice and exalt Jesus this morning, our risen Savior, the resurrected one, the one who is alive again, showing us that we too can have life. And Father, I pray for everyone listening in this room or online. God, I pray that, that uh, if there are those that need Jesus today, that you would call them to yourself. That as they draw near to you, we know you will draw near to them. God, I pray that anyone needing you would call out to you, recognizing how much they need you and asking you to lead their life. And God, for those that are following Jesus, would you help us to continue to give ourselves to you daily, knowing that you are rich in mercy, that our sin doesn't repel you, that our suffering doesn't cause you to hold us at arm's length, Help us to know that you are a God who loves us and is near. So God, in response to that, we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to celebrate the risen Savior. And so we want to do that now in the next few minutes in a few ways. God, would you help us to respond in worship? Would we lift our prayers to you? Would we love one another out of thankfulness to you? As we give our offerings, we give generously because you have been so generous to us and all that we have comes from you. And as we lift our voices in a few minutes to sing, I, God, I pray that we would lift our voices loudly and boldly, rejoicing together for your goodness to us, for the love that you've shown us through Christ, for the fact that you are rich in mercy and that Jesus' life has made us alive too. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.